Uh, my name's AJ. If I've never met you before, you've never met me. I just want to formally kind of introduce myself to you. Um, I have the absolute privilege of working on staff here at the church. And um, I normally teach from a specific passage, but today we're going to bounce around all over the, the word. Um, this is going to be like a drinking from a fire hose today. Um, so get ready. Um, you might not be able to turn as fast as I read, but we'll do this together. Um, we're obviously going to talk about worship. We're going to start a whole new series today. But before I do that, I just want to take a couple moments um, tell you it's been an extremely difficult week here. I'm not going to I'm going to a lot of details, but we lost a very dear friend of the house uh, this week. You can go ahead. Mark, put that picture up. Uh, Mickey wasn't just an attender. She wasn't just a staff member. She loved God with all her heart, with all her soul, with all her mind and all her strength. She lived and breathed not only caring for people in this fellowship, but people all around our communities. And I think we saw firsthand yesterday the amount of people's lives that she touched. And we were challenged yesterday to not let the care that Mickey had for other people stop with her passing. We were all challenged to take what Mickey taught us about caring for people and express that to other people. If you've been here a while, you were probably cared for by Mickey once or twice. And it wasn't because you wanted it. It was because you were going to get it no matter if you wanted it or not. When I broke my back back in 2018, I remember Mickey coming to our house and scrubbing our sinks and scrubbing our bathroom floors and just being the hands and feet of Jesus because that's who Mickey was. And even through this sadness that we felt this week, even through this pain, it's kind of been a uh, common thread this morning already that there's questioning, right? There's grief, there's sorrow, there's tears. But even through all that, we know that God is still good. And even in my own processing, even in my own thoughts this week, I just needed to constantly remind myself that God sees all of us, that he hears us, that he's in control. You might be so distracted this morning that you can't focus and listen, but just listen to me for the next 30 seconds. I want you to hear these things. If you hear nothing else I say today, I want you to know that God loves you, that he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, and that his mercies are new every single morning, like the promises that we talked about during worship. If some of you were here yesterday, you heard some of the Mickey stories. And we know that she loved animals. Mickey especially loved chickens. She was all about rabbits and goats and all that stuff, but she had a special place in her heart for chickens. My family loves chickens too. But we have a completely different view of chickens than Mickey did. <laughs> we raise chickens for meat. We have them, we get them when they're about this big. We have them for nine weeks and then we put them in the freezer. Obviously, there's more to the process, but you understand what I'm saying. So Mickey came to me one day, and she had all these questions about meat chickens, and she started inquiring and asking me you know, what they look like, what do you feed them, how do you take care of them? And I'm like, Mickey, I really don't think that you want meat chickens. And 
So she kept asking questions and asking. And then finally one day she came in and she said, I did it. And I said, what would you do? She said, I ordered meat chickens. She goes, don't you dare tell Brian. <laughs> and I said, Mickey, meat chickens are ugly as sin. I said, they're going to stand out amongst all your other chickens. They're not the same. Well, needless to say, I think Brian did find out. Um, but she got some meat chickens. Um, let's just pray together. God, we thank you for uh, the time and place that we can come to worship you. We thank you that you are in control. We thank you for your promises. We thank you that you never fail us, that you never leave us or forsake us. And God, we know that yesterday is in the past and tomorrow's in the future. It's not created yet. So God, we thank you for today. And I just pray that today you would give us the manna that we need right now. You'd give us the word that is from you because that's what we're living in is right now today. We ask all these things in your powerful and precious name. Amen. How many enjoyed last week with Mick Sander? Wasn't that an awesome, awesome word? He, he misspoke just one little bit, and I'm going to clean that up today. He said it's missions month. Well, it's not really missions month. Um, we can call it DNA month because we're going to start this series of worship today. So if you've been around this house for a long time, you know that we have a very solid foundation of three basic principles, and that is we're created to worship, we're going to continue to preach the word, and we're all about missions. So last week we highlighted missions, but today we're going to move into a four-week uh, series all about worship. Some churches were born out of, like, ideas. You know, Ian talked least last week about the, the Buffalo Dream Center, and that's a church that helps homeless people in Buffalo. And that, that trip's going to be postponed, by the way. Um, so that'll be coming up soon. But, but our church here, um, our DNA, again, is worship, teaching the word, and missions. As we get in through this series, uh, it's going to look a little different than normal. Uh, next week, Peter Saikama will be with us. He will continue the series on worship. And I just want you to know it's going to get better and better. So don't miss um, any of the next four weeks. I've kind of subtitled today's message, Worship. More than just five songs on a Sunday. Worship is much more than music, and we'll get into this in a little bit. But I'm going to go through eight things today, and hopefully you can grasp onto some of these things and learn, just get a little deeper look into the worship world, if you will. This is worship, yes. I'm not going to deny that it's not. What we're doing today here, yes, this is worship, but it's so much more. So I want to really get us in the handle of this. So the first thing, uh, we're going to put these up on the screen. Worship is adoration, number one. If we were to define worship, if we were to look up like a dictionary de definition of this, it is the feeling or expression of adoration, of reverence, or deity. In our case, God, right? We're here to worship God, bottom line. If we can't agree on that, we have some bigger issues that we got to go through. So simply put, adoration worship. Simpler definition, I think, is taking what's inside of us, what we've learned, what we've experienced, what we know about God, and we outwardly express that. So that's kind of a simple definition goes along with our adoration. This might look different from person to person. Your outward expression might be different than your outward expression, but we're taking what's inside 
and we're outwardly expressing that. Number two, it's already said on this morning, but worship is joining the throne room of heaven. I just think that's such an awesome concept. You know, we, we get up in the morning on Sunday and we, we get here and it might be a wreck. You know, we might be arguing with our family, whatever the case might be. But when we get here and we corporately worship, we're joining the throne room of heaven. I just think that's so cool. Back in the, I forget what year it was, but Andy Mason was here and he, he prayed over me and he said, I just pray that when you lead worship, you will just be transferred immediately to the throne room of heaven and you will be singing right at the feet of Jesus. And that really changed me. It changed the way that I, I sing songs, the way that I lead worship, because we're joining the throne room of heaven. In Revelation 4, there's a vision that John has, and he's writing down this vision of what he's seen in the Spirit. And in verse 10, he says, The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by you, your will, they exist and were created. I just think that's such an awesome thing. This isn't just something we're doing here on earth. We're joining the angels, the saints in heaven. We're joining the elders, like as John writes, around the throne. We're joining the throne room. In Hebrews, Paul is writing to the church. In chapter 4, verse 16, he says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when we're coming to the throne, we're worshiping, but we don't have to do it sheepishly. We can do it with boldness. We can do it with confidence because we know that work that Jesus did for us on the cross, and that gives us the boldness to come to the throne. When we worship on earth, it's kind of like practice. Like practice, practice for what? Practice for all of eternity, man. This is what we're going to be doing, so get used to it. This is some good stuff. We're going to be constantly worshiping Jesus around the throne. We look at Revelation 4, verse 8. It says, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes all around and within. They do not rest day or night. That means forever and ever and ever and ever. They do not rest day or night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Third thing I think worship is, is worship is intentionally removing distractions. Keeping first things first, right? God calls us not to have any idols, but to keep first things first, to keep God first. In Exodus 32, you might remember the story of when Moses went up on the mountain. He was actually going to get the Ten Commandments. But when he went up there, the people that he left behind, they got confused. They got distracted. And they were starting to look for something to worship. So they came to Moses' brother Aaron, and they said, Aaron, make us something that we can worship. In 17... Uh, Exodus 32, 17. Aaron asked them for all their gold 
and he made the gold statue. Verse 18. And when Joshua heard the noise of people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. So he heard the noise. He heard them worshiping, but they weren't worshiping God. They were so distracted they were worshiping this gold image that Aaron had made for them. But he said, it is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. They were distracted. So it was as soon as he came near the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. They weren't worshiping God. They weren't keeping that first things first. They had an idol put in front of them. We all worship something. Okay, we were created to worship, so naturally we're going to worship something. But I think our generation is so distracted. Even during this one hour, one hour and 15 minutes right now, we have so many things trying to get our attention. We could be having smartphone notifications or trying to think about what we're doing in 30 minutes. But we're bringing this in to what I think is the simplest definition of worship, and that is to focus. I believe worship is focus. We set aside this specific time today to worship. In fact, one of the missions of this house is to set aside a time and place to worship Almighty God. We're putting God above everything else. He is above all other distractions. We just say, I worship you. I adore you. I focus on you. In Matthew 6, verse 33, God says, Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. We sing a song here that says, Just You. And it's just focusing on God. And there's a part that says, it's just you and me here now. It's just you and me here, God. I'm not worrying about anything else right now. I'm just focusing on you. I'm not being distracted by idols or things of the world. I'm focusing on you. Number five, worship is so much more than music. I told you we'd hit on this a little more. Music is a tool that we use to come together to worship corporately. It kind of unites us so that we're singing the same lyrics. We're singing one song as one body. We have instrumentation that kind of goes along with the song that we're singing. We love music, right? It pierces right to our souls. We like the unifiedness of it. We like the sounds, the movements, the harmonies, the dynamics, the pitches, the tones. It's so awesome. And as a musician, music comes naturally to me. So it's very easy for me to take that musical talent that God's gifted me and outwardly express it back to him. But it's so much more. So one of my favorite psalms, Psalms 150 says this, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament, or heavens is a better word. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. 
Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Right? There's so many biblical examples to us of using music. But I want to tell you something. Song leading and worship aren't the same. Just because you see Julie up here or Tammy up here leading a song, worship is not just song leading. In 2016, Pastor Peter, he, he said this to us. He said, worship is not song leading. It takes us to a, dimen a dimension, the presence of God. In order to lead, you must be there yourself. So the worship leader must be in the presence of God if we're going to draw other people into that presence. Our own Denny Atwater had this word back a few years ago. He said, when you praise me, and just to be clear here, not Denny, when we praise Jesus, when you praise me, when you worship me, it is much more than singing. You are releasing the glory and the power of the kingdom of God. And then this analogy is so cool. He said, like a stone thrown into a pool that creates ripples all around, so is the same here. Your worship goes forth and creates a shockwave of power and glory. Do you remember this? Somewhat? It gets better, okay? As praise grows, it becomes the power and of shock and awe. Shock to those who don't believe and awe to those who do. Isn't that so true? Shock, not shockingly awful. Shock and awe. Shock to those who don't know Jesus. If we know Jesus, if we have that relationship with him, we just stand in awe. It's just me and you here now. We sing that song. So cool. Number six, worship is a lifestyle. We talked about worship as an outward expression. But this idea that we're living it out, right, that worship should never be reduced to just something that we do when the music starts. So worship should never be reduced to something we do when the music starts. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is serving. I am so thankful for the different ministries that we have here. I'm so thankful for the people that serve in this because their serving is worshiping. Amen? Worship is lo loving others. Worship is working at your secular job. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it unto the Lord. If you're doing unto the Lord, it's worshiping. It's an outward expression. Worship is loving your spouse, loving your kids. I recently met two people that weren't from here, but they said that they work at a church. And I said, what do you do in the church? And they said, I clean the church. And I said, that is so awesome. That is such an outward expression of worship. And I thanked them for what they did. But that is just awesome. Keeping the house of the Lord clean is huge. Number seven, worship is a desire for his presence. I don't want to get all weirded out today, but I, I want you to know, I want to remind everyone that there's a real spiritual realm. Right? I said it a couple weeks ago, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. 
when we worship, it's a, it should change the atmosphere for the better. It should create that shock and awe that Denny told us about. When we worship, we battle through stuff. We have some stuff this week that we battled through. When we worship, we battle through that stuff to get into his presence. Because it's in his presence, that's where the breakthrough is. That's where the healing is. That's where we see the miracles, the signs, the wonders. When we gather together, there should be this great expectation for God's presence. We're not just coming here because it's a nice thing to do. We're coming here to meet with Jesus, to worship him. A lot of you remember Tim Smart, but Tim, he, we kind of used to joke around, the, around about this, but it's very true. He said he could just come in here and hit the D chord on his guitar, boom, like that. And he said there's just a great expectation that God was going to show up. It wasn't about what songs we were singing. It wasn't about the band. It was that desire of God's people that they had for his presence, for his presence. If we go back and look at Exodus chapter 33, verses 14 and 15, the subtitle of this is The Promise of God's Presence. And he, he is capitalized in this first part, and he meaning God, he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he, this is the small case capital now, small case letter. This is Moses packing, talking back to God. He said, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. In other words, no presence, no go. No presence, no go. I hope that when we make decisions in our lives, I hope that when we walk through this Christian life, that we're really relying on the presence of God to guide our steps. You know, the Israelites had the fire by night, the cloud by day. That was the presence of God. That's what guided them through their difficult situations. But it's the same today. God gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us. We are nothing without the presence of God. After... After Mickey's passing this week, Tammy wrote something down, and I want to share it with all of you. And the heart of this whole thing is about the presence of God. And she wrote this, it's you who is our source of strength. When we say, find the strength within yourself, really it's you who's within us and you who are we, we are tapping into. Our own strength can only carry us so far, but your strength, O oh God, can carry us through anything that life hands out. It is you who upholds us. It is you who comforts our souls. If we only allow the Holy Spirit to do the work he so desperately to desires to do within us, we have a million questions, but sometimes all we need is your presence. We may never get the answers that our souls so desperately seek. But we have you, Lord. We have your presence. We have your presence to bring healing to our hearts. 
We have your presence to bring healing to the broken places. To restore that which was torn down. To build back up again. And we will choose to praise you even in the pain. Even in the hurt. We will praise you. We will continue to seek your face and your heart. We will move forward one day at a time together. I want to bring the worship team back up here. Because we're not going back into worship. We're just going to continue on to worship. We've been worshiping this whole time. And number eight, worship is a sacrifice. We can't have numbers one through seven that we talked about without that work that Jesus did on the cross, that sacrifice. We can't live to worship. One more verse for you. If we look at Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 15, it says this. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifices of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. God is so pleased when you give the expressions of worship that don't feel emotionally good. I want to say that again. God is pleased when you have expressions of worship that don't feel emotionally good. In other words, what some people think is hypocritical, God sees that as a sacrifice. We have a decision to make today. We can bring all these things that we are experiencing, maybe the things we experienced this week, the loss, the pain, the hurt, the disappointment, the guilt. We can either choose to let all those things infect us or we can bring it close to the fire when we bring the sacrifice of praise. Today, we can offer a God a flavor of sacrifice that we can only do one time. We only get one chance to do this. The only time the only time that we will get a chance to praise God, to worship God through pain, through hurt, is here on earth. When we get to heaven and we're actually worshiping around the throne, like we read about in Revelation 4, everything's perfect. There's no more pain. There's no more suffering. There's no more guilt. There's no more hurt. We're worshiping Jesus in that perfect environment. So right now is the time. Now is the time to worship through sacrifice. I'd invite you just to stand with us. We're going to sing that new song again that we did. It's called Hold Us Together. And like Julie said, this altar is always open. If you would like to come up Pray, seek God, but most importantly, let's just worship together.